He's being a little silly now. Oh, and I have a four hour, a four, four, four finger lag. <laughs> four. <laughs> That's why <what> he said. <laughs> 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 what he asked for <laughs> four finger leg <laughs> welcome aboard the flight attendant podcast the seatbelt sign is on it's gonna be a rough ride Uncle Josie. How are you today? I'm good. Just at home. Just at home. Me too. I'm actually home till the end of the month. And I have to clean this mess. I saw that you had like some repairings and remodeling on your, at least on your bedroom. Yeah, I just, we just did the floors and and the whole house. So all of my bedroom stuff is in the living room at the moment and I got to bring it back. And I also went and got my, uh, the, the hangers that you have that you got from Ikea so I can fit more stuff in my closet. Oh, those are nice hangers. I love them. I mean, like just this, the, you know, the, the width of them, it's perfect because then I can fit more dresses. Yes. Yes. I can fit all my dresses in one closet. I know. I love your dresses and your heels. I want them all. (laughs) So listen, uh, the uh, guys at the Bad Council had this post on on their Instagram today, right? And they tagged me on it. And I thought I'd get your way on it before we start this episode because... It's it's not a question that I could fully answer, I guess, mostly because, um, I mean, I guess it could pertain to me, but I feel like this would be more suited towards you because you oh, are okay. a man. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> you are a man okay so it says the question remains. <laughs> um so it's basically just saying it's it's a video of two men hanging out with a doggy so cute right and then it just says okay. um the caption says this is who you caught your boyfriend jerking off to. And then what, what would you, and then, so they, they tagged me on, on like down below. It said, what would you do? So to me, it's like, if my boyfriend was jerking off to another man, then I wouldn't like pass judgment on him, but it's not my thing. So I personally would just, you know, like break things off with them and become friends. If that was, you know, but how would you feel if your boyfriend was talking to another man? Oh, um, 
I th- I see what the question I, I, they're they're going for, um, and yes, I think it it is mostly for you, but I can probably see both sides. Yeah, that's why I wanted if to get your opinion on it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so to tell you the truth, I mean, when I hate to say it, because I'm I I at least I try to be so, like very open-minded and have no no like females do these and males do this but this one is hard for me to just say that males are <laughs> males are pig guys are pigs <laughs> i don't know if you've seen girls trip but girls can be pigs too they they can um no comment but the part, like, I feel like girls are more conscious on doing that kind of things in relationships in general, like whether you're watching porn. I think I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because, again, this is something that is not talked much about, but um, I feel like guys have tendencies to jerk off and get off more than but females that's not, but that's females. not even but that's not that's not what we're doing here this was it right. this was a, a straight relationship where the female finds her male partner jerking off to another man correct but i wanted to clarify that before i go and say what i'm going to say okay um so if the, the the girlfriend understands that, it shouldn't be much of a surprise. However, that surprise should be whether it's the male-to-male thing. And it's mostly a question that should arise, like, is, is he experimenting? Did he just discovered this? I feel, is, yeah, it has, to do, it has a lot closet? to do. It has a lot to do with communication from your partner. Correct. Um, he might have just discovered that before he get together with the female um, partner. Humans, we change. We change. We discover things. I wouldn't, if I find my boyfriend on that spot, I wouldn't necessarily like. I would. I would. I would question. It's like if it's if it's jerking off to male to male. I whatever. Let it be. Um, I join him. Um, <laughs> but if it's a, a female, if it's a female, it's like, okay, well, you know, is there something that you need to talk about? Like, do you think you have changed your mind along the way? Is that something you want to pursue now? So that, that it should be a communication thing. And from that point, either I have heard, heard couples that stay together and, continuing uh they adopt a different kind of um lifestyle where each part is allowed to do their thing and because there's a greater love um they stay together maybe there's children involved but not it's not it's something that is not for everybody you know although it's a very hot topic these days it's not new but it didn't came up until recently like very out there because it's just such a hard subject, like um, 
but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. If anything, I would join him. No, if it's a female, <laughs> it's a female. Yeah, and then I had to question. You know, to are you gonna pursue that? Right. There has huh? to be. There has to be a conversation when it's the opposite sex right. of what you're dating, right. essentially. So. Right. Because then there's a different like choice or choice or, or or taste that he has now. So. I find it very interesting that the way that you put that uh, not only justifies being understanding and being open if uh, your partner has, for whatever reason, changed their sexual proclivity, but you also kind of justified the idea of polyamory in the way that you worded that, which is very interesting. I mean... Because that's what's happening lately, you know. It's all over me- social media. It's becoming very normal now. So, and at the end of the day, you know, who are we to judge other people for what they what they like or what what not what they like, but how they are and you know their lifestyle. We have our own lifestyle, and we don't want people to judge us for our lifestyle. So, if my partner were to indicate that he was interested in men then that would be a conversation that we'd have to have. And, you know, for me, at least, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could trust that afterwards because then it's something that he hid from me. And if he had come, you know, come up front with it before, then it would be something that I would be aware of. But it's something just finding out now, then, you know. Yeah, you don't know what the struggles of the other partner is going through, you know. And no judgment, I would totally be there for for right. them as a friend, but just not as a partner anymore. Right, right, and that's that's a very good thing because not many people actually think that way. They will just end it up in a, in bad terms, and the other part is like, oh, you cheated on me, you're the bad. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that he cheated on you. It's like he discovered something and he's experimenting. Now, if he goes ahead and and has a relationship with another man. Well, then that's a different story, but. Well, yeah. you're still in the original relationship. Right, right, right. It does, though. It fundamentally changes the nature of your relationship if your partner suddenly decides that they're interested in playing for the other, for the other team. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I really like that you uh, took the time to explain that it should be all about love and the greater love. Yeah. Uh, focusing on what you are and aren't getting. I think that's very cool. You're awesome, Uncle Josie. I try. Do you know what we're going to talk about today, Uncle Jay? Wait, before that, <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot we have to go to news. Oh, that's right. I have a, a, a super, a super, super, super quick one. So this is from the points guy. And it says JetBlue announces long-awaited flights to London. And then this is, oh, six hours ago. So that's from today. And today is May 19th. For those of you who are paying attention and know that today is not the actual day that we record. This is this is this is past B and Uncle J. So JetBlue announced on Wednesday the long-awaited details of its planned service between the U.S. East Coast and London. 
JetBlue will be flying from New York JFK Airport to London Heathrow August 11th. Oh my God, just in time for my birthday. <laughs> uh, I heard the, the date and I'm like, oh no. Oh no, 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 and, no. And I have vacation that week. Oh, look at that. And to London's Gatwick Airport on September 29th. Just in time for your birthday. Yeah. Oh, both routes yeah. go on sale today. We should look at a couple of the um, prices. Currently, COVID-related travel restrictions remain in place for travel between the U.S. and the U.K., Through though there is an increased hope that they could ease by summer. Uh, the airline's highly anticipated service between Boston, Logan, and London, however, is delayed. Service on that route is now set to start in the summer of 2022. The flight to Heathrow uh, JetBlue Flight 7 will depart JFK at 10.10 p.m. before arriving into London at 10.10 a.m., all local times. And the return flight, Flight 20, is scheduled for a daily 6.10 p.m. departure, arriving back to JFK at 9.43 p.m. There's a relatively late departure from New York, but it also means a shorter wait between landing and hotel check-ins for jet lag vacationers. Meanwhile, the flight to Gatwick, JetBlue Flight 43, is scheduled to depart daily at 7.50 p.m., arriving at 7.55 a.m., offering an earlier arrival for those looking to attend meetings or make a full use of the first day on the ground. The return departs Gatwick at noon, arriving to JFK at 3.30 p.m. So JetBlue, nice. will, yeah, JetBlue will operate out of Terminal 2 at Heathrow and the North Terminal at Gatwick. Um, they don't have the times for the Boston flights yet. And JetBlue's planned London service from its New England hub was pushed back because of the pandemic-related aircraft delivery delays. So that's really cool. I'm excited. Are you ready to get jet lag? I am ready to get jet lag. Okay. Let's see. Jet. Are you just checking? You're already planning. Uh, this is not I'm... about the podcast. This is about you <laughs> checking. You're ready to get jet lag. <laughs> no, no. I am. I am looking for the price information for our non-flight attendant listeners. <laughs> I wish I wish you all can see her because she when she does general she she does this whole hand thing like she is doing a circle around the world. <laughs> so <laughs> I am the listener. <laughs> I mean, unless Jim wants to look it up, you know. Okay, well, just come back to me. Go ahead with yours because my thing is frozen. W what is frozen? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Your thing is frozen. We'll heat the, it up. The phone. Sounds like a person. <laughs> <laughs> I've had no complaints in that department. Just, <laughs> Just do your mating call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my mating call worked last time, okay? Just saying. 
It sounded amazing. <laughs> okay. What are your views today? So since you so since we are all ready to get jet lagged from the US today, Europe is reopening to American vac- vacationers after a pandemic travel ban. Here's what we know. So summer vacation in Europe are a step closer to reality after European Union, Union representatives on Wednesday agreed to ease travel restrictions for vaccinated visitors and any traveler from countries where COVID-19 is under control. But don't pack just yet. The timing of the reopening is unclear, pending final approval expected later this week by the Council of the European Union. EU officials have been saying for weeks that summer travel will be allowed, but no dates have been released yet. And many of the details will be up to the 27 member countries. The lifting of travel restrictions isn't mandatory and won't come with a timetable, meaning travelers could face that hodgepodge of European travel rules and restrictions well into the summer. And keep in mind that the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. State Departments will recommend against non-essential travel despite the CDC's update, updated advice that vaccinated Americans can safely resume travel at low risk of themselves. Here's what we know about Europe travel for Americans as summer vacation seasons approach. Can fully vaccinated Americans visit Europe immediately? The European Union's broad ban on non-essential travel for travelers from the United States and other countries outside the EU remains in place until the new travel guidelines are formally approved later this week. Individual countries could reopen to vaccinate Americans soon after officials say, but the timing and terms will be up to each country, so Europe-bound travelers will likely still have to navigate a patchwork of entry rules. Another factor timing on when a system for providing proof of vaccination is put in place. Some countries, including Greece, Croatia, Iceland, Italy, France, and Germany, have already started to reopen or plan to reopen soon to vaccinate visitors and or those with a negative coronavirus test rules vary by country. So how are they going to, like, because obviously our um, vaccination card is not enough because it could be, it could be, you know, duplicated very easily. Right. So they haven't determined that just yet. They, it mentions here that they're going to have to uh, find ways of how um, to confirm those vaccinated. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got um, so flights are going to be like two hundred dollars on JetBlue. Oh, those flights are going to be packed, packed. But that's not bad. That's not a bad price at all. Round trip? No, that's just one way. Yeah, not with those prices. Not with those prices. Anyway, back to your news. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, like my news kind of short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> really? Nobody? No one? <laughs> really? 
Wow. You're the one that brings up the penises all the time. <laughs> this, is, this is your penis show. I have to actually think about that one. <laughs> your penis show? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be inside my head right now. Really. <laughs> don't. Uh, okay, so to oh, let's see, the- just picture yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you want to go make sure to his- check out our Uncle Josie's penis.com? Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't go to that it's website. My only we don't know. Right. We don't know. We don't know if it's an actual website. Please don't go to that website. <laughs> And now I have to record a disclaimer for the beginning. <laughs> this is a, a long one. It's, this is from the Aerospace Manufacturer Manufacturing and Design dot com. The evolution of okay. the aircraft stowage bin. Aircraft stowage bins have come a long way since the initial use of automotive-style gas springs for bin actuation. Leading airlines and manufacturers have moved to custom hydromechanical units, which allow for much longer service, for much longer longer service life, ease of operation, and lower total cost of ownership. Since the late 1980s, ITT Enidine has designed, manufactured, and installed motion control products for major aircraft manufacturers such as Boeing and Airbus. Earlier bins from the 1980s and 1990s were fairly simple. Most single-aisle aircraft use shelf or fixed bins where the automotive-style gas springs raise the bin for passengers to store their luggage. These gas springs, made from stamped steel, use compressed nitrogen for actuation force. In addition to being heavy, their service life was short due to a portion of the gas leaking by the unit seal and each seal each and every time that they were used. To solve this service life issue, ITT designed the gas spring replacement actuator. actuator. The GSR have a service life of more than 250,000 cycles, more than 10 times that of a typical gas spring. The ITT GSR was designed with lightweight aluminum and plastic components. Its controlled actuation made certain that bin, do- that bin doors open fully at a controlled speed for the passengers while reducing airline maintenance time and cost during the life of the aircraft. ITT optimized its fixed bin products and later introduced rotary hinge, uh, introduced rotary hinge dampers while the RHD provided reliable spring actuation similar to the GSR. It did so with fewer components and a smaller size. One RHD replaced the early model actuator, actuator cover hinges and mounting hardware. This saved on both initial costs and installation time. Additionally, the smaller size provide the smaller sizes provided f- the flying public more room for stowage bins, more room in the stowage bins for bin, uh, for their carry-on luggage. Since then, stowage bins have increased in size and complexity, creating additional requirements and complexities for suppliers to consider. With more air travelers and extraneous fees, airlines handing are handling more carry-on baggage than ever before. This marketplace demand has driven innovation to increase the volume and functionality of stowage bins while reducing its weight. As airline, 
As airline manufacturer and passenger needs to continue to evolve, aircraft are increasingly moving toward the drop-down bins, bins that move and pivot towards the passenger when opening and close upwards, giving the person in the seat below more overhead bins, more overhead space. These modern-day bins can be oh, can be the size of a small refrigerator to accommodate up to 1,000, sorry, 100, I'm adding extra zeros in here, 100 pounds of luggage and must meet rules and regulations for lift, assist, and hand force support for flight attendants and air travelers. Motion control products are key players in the functionality and dependability of aircraft storage bins. And then um, it just kind of like talks about all the different types of bins. So essentially a lot goes into the aircraft bins. Um, and that was from the aerospace manufacturing and design.com page. But if we go over to the wildaboutthewest.com, we have some interesting facts. So wait, did you know, so did you know that we had I mean, it even says it in the overhead bins, but did you know that we had specific weights uh, that we could only, that are only allowed in the overhead bins? That's yeah. why, that's why, that's why um, with, when you're taxiing or landing or what, like anytime where like the overhead bin just kind of opens, it's because it's overweight. So it's like sagging, it's like sagging down the overhead bin. So it's not latching properly. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So from the travel and leisure, the real reason airplanes never seem to have enough overhead bin space, mm. think of being forced to get check your carry-on bag on a full flight. Airlines are working on it. I don't know, are they? Mm. As it I mean, is trying to weigh passengers, right? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 as any seasoned traveler knows, the secret to a smooth, efficient flight is to travel light. When you limit yourself to a carry-on and a personal item, you avoid bag fees and can head straight to security without waiting in line to check a bag. Baggage claims become a thing of the past, and a flight feels like less of an ordeal and more of a streamlined dare we say it, enjoyable event. I'm sorry, but I've heard actually that uh, airlines like Frontier and Spirit, they actually charge less for a, a checked luggage than for a carry-on. It's like... Interesting. And yeah, they charge like $15. I mean, because you pay for it. That's Those are a la carte airlines. So you pay for right. everything. But their fees to check in are 15, an average of $15 more or less than if you carry it on in the aircraft. Well, a lot of the, the tricks of, of that, when people are paying for their tickets online, they they need to get, to pay their, their, their luggage in order to save more. And a lot of people don't do that. They just go straight over thinking that they can bypass all those things. I'm, well, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming. no, I totally, I totally get that. But um, if you, at least with Spirit, I've experienced before where I bought a ticket 
for me to check a bag, it was like $30 versus to carry it on the plane with me was $45. Yeah, yeah. And my brother had that that issue. He paid 20, well, he was supposed to pay $25, but he decided not to do it. And then he got slammed at the, <laughs> at the gate. So, I mean, but that's, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So, but carry on, travel doesn't come without risk. If you're on a full flight, a small, a small plane, or in, a, or in one of the last boarding groups, chances are you'll have to gate check it and say goodbye to that speedy exit. It's a problem that traveler experts say was created when airlines started adding more seats and charging passengers to check luggage. As the number of flyers increased, cost-conscious travelers started maxing out their allotted carry-on and personal items to avoid check-back fees. The result is more customers and more carry-on bags and a lack of overhead bin space. It's a self-inflicted wound that the airlines have brought on themselves. Henry Hartvelt, a travel industry analyst with Atmosphere Research Group, told the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Times, Even though gate checking a bag is uh, free of charge, it may mean repacking your laptop and medication at the last minute or entrusting your valuable to the crew throwing the bags on the belt. Then there's a fact that in most cases, you'll have to wait at the baggage claim to retrieve your bag, which slows down your exit. The good news is that airlines are catching on and making adjustments. American Airlines told Travel and Leisure by email that they continue to retrofit, retrofit aircraft with larger overhead bins. And the United Airlines representative told Travel and Leisure by email that their mission is to make gate checking bags on a thing, a thing of the past. On United's CRJ550, aircraft, there is enough room for every customer carry-on bags on board, and they say things are only going to get better in the coming years. But I mean, that doesn't include all the jackets and purses and pillows and, you know, if Again, these just studies are like non-real realistic or, or real time. I feel like like we have talked in the past, like for the boarding also, these studies are not looking like real life, real everyday issues. So, I mean, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens in the futures. In the futures? Uh, in the futures. Um, let's see, what else do I have for you? Okay, so these are... 11 ugly truths about airplane overhead bin space. So not all bins are created equal. Oh, and this is from uh, wildaboutthewest.com. So mainline and international flights usually have more, much larger equipment than regional aircraft, which means their bins are probably bigger too. So if you're in a small regional aircraft, it's likely that you will have to check your luggage, uh, your carry-on as, you know, regular luggage. 
And then you'd probably get it back plane side when you land wherever you're going. And then, um, so there isn't space for every passenger to bring on a rollerboard, which is not what you were saying, that they're working on a way to have every passenger bring a rollerboard. So the closest you get to that is under the seat. So even though everyone who boards has a confirmed seat, not everyone has a confirmed stowage space. So the closest you get that is the underneath the seat in front of you, assuming that you're not in row one. Otherwise, the overhead bin space is first come, first served. I try to keep the first overhead bins closed for my row, for like my front row people, like the first three rows, um, because otherwise we can't really, you know, like I'm not going to have my row one passengers go back to like row five and stow their bags over there. You know, we kind of have to be a little bit ahead of that. Crowded bins. Yeah. Crowded bins have always been a problem. Despite the fact that airlines are charging a nice chunk of change for check bags. The truth is passengers have always brought on too many bags. Long before airlines started charging luggage fees in the late nineties, I spent many boarding standing in the back alley surrounded by piles of luggage that needed to be checked because the space was full. Either way, I should say that this this specific article blog is written by a flight attendant. We're at number four now. Yes, luggage fees have exacerbated the bin space problem. When airlines announced that they would start charging for check bags, I knew what that meant. Luggage was going to be luggage was going to be overstuffed and even more bags would be brought on. That's exactly what happened. Five, some people suffer from luggage separation anxiety. And that is so true. It's like somebody put stuff in my overhead bin. It's like, it's not your overhead bin. It just happens to be the bin right next to your seat. I know. It's like they want their overhead, right, the, the, their stuff right on top of their heads. It's like, right. it's not necessary. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So this isn't a joke. Passengers have serious reasons or various reasons for wanting to keep their luggage with them. For for some, it's time, such as I don't want to wait for baggage claim. And for others, it's fear of their bags getting lost and damaged or, you know, not wanting to separate literally an inch. And the thing is, it's like they'll put up they'll be like, my purse is up there. It's like, OK, well, here, I'll hand it to you and you can put it on the seat. It's like, no, well, I don't want it on the floor. Okay, well, it's going to go wherever. I don't, you know. Uh, People don't follow the rules. Even though passengers are supposed to limit their carry-on bags to two per person, they don't. Look around the next time you fly and you'll see you will also serve people sneak bags or on or past busy employees. And that's uh, true for a lot of like airlines where you have to pay for carry-on luggage. Yeah, and finally, somebody says it on written on paper for everyone to read. Right, exactly. And then also, it also happens when you they're like, "Can you consolidate?" They'll try to like put on a jacket with a backpack underneath, and then be all sly and think that nobody can see like the hump in their back. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one bag up, one bag down. I've seen one person one person fill up an entire bin. It's not fair to your fellow passengers unless you're sitting at a bulkhead or first row. Please place only one bag in the bin and then the other bag underneath the seat in front of you. I personally, when I travel, I 
I have, especially if I'm commuting, I have to travel with three bags. I'll try to keep my smallest bag underneath the seat, but my bags don't fit underneath the seat. Right. And And when we deadhead, we have to do that. We have no other choice. We carry more, we have an allowance of carrying like a little bit more luggage than a passenger will do. So I I have to put my smaller bags underneath uh, the seat in front of me, no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm going. If I'm dead mm-hmm, heading, if mm-hmm. I'm working, that's what I need to do. So I can keep space for the rest of the people. Yep. So this is number eight, coats and jackets on top. <laughs> I love this. Wah, we- <laughs> Filling an overhead. <laughs> Filling an overhead bin with coats and jackets is a waste of space, not to mention you risk someone ruining your items when they throw the roller bag on top of your stuff. I've gotten to the point where I don't even care anymore. You want to put that jacket in there? You know what? I'm going to tell that person, just go ahead and slam your bag up there. Why? Because you don't care for your jacket. You know? I had somebody put some sorts of paintings. I don't know. They did paintings, like, I think it was like a wine and paint kind of place. And they brought their paintings. Well, they put them right on on the flat. And um, you can't see it. There's a lip. Right. And somebody immediately after, they didn't even notice. I just looked and I'm like, oh, not my problem. (laughs) 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 Right on top of the paintings. And I'm like, those paintings are gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh So it says, I've seen jackets smudged up with grease. And then simply wait until all the people are on and the bins are fully are full. Then place your outerwear on top of luggage. I also see this happening with people or men mostly who are like in row 28 or like row, like somewhere in the back of the plane. And they're like, do you have, do you, do you have a closet? It's like, no, sir. Like just wait until the end. And they're like, okay, nope. They just take off their jacket and they fold it up and then they place it down. And just like the paintings, there's this, comes this one guy puts it on top. It's like my jackets. They're like, I told you to wait. I'm not going to be held responsible for (sighs) number Nine, please don't break the bin. Please don't ever force a bag in a bin. Bins can crack as well as the bin door. And guess what? If the bin is broken, the plane can't fly. And that's a whole other debacle. And it's true. It may not be true for all planes. They might just seal those overhead bins and we can't open them. And then we'd have less space for luggage, which means somebody's luggage is going to have to go in in cargo. And why? Because people just stuff it in. Oh, and they they push it even if it doesn't like. There's like three inches of like away on top of the you know of the overhead bin, and it's not going through because of those three inches. They'll force it onto it is squished in there. That's what she said. And to take it out. Oh. <laughs> she like I guess she likes to squish in there. <laughs> Those three inches. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. So 
prepare for the worst, which would mean check your checking your bag and hope for the best, finding space in the overhead bins. And number 11, flight attendants don't have designated bin space. In response to a comment, I thought this tidbit should be added. It's true. Many places don't have accommodation space for crew luggage anywhere but above passenger seats, which means that sharing a bin space with flight attendants and sometimes pilot is likely. And it's very true. When I worked at the regionals, we had to put our luggage in the overhead bin because some of our planes didn't have a like a luggage closet for the crews like some of the bigger airplanes do. And even now we have to put our luggage in the overhead bins with the rest of the ones. And that's why my bags are like tagged with all sorts of colorful tags and bells and whistles because people have walked away with flight attendant luggage before. People that don't even come on with luggage. I have heard the stories. Yeah, it has never happened to me, but I heard I heard the stories. Now I have situations where they see my luggage and they look at me. I'm like, what? What? Problem? <laughs> right. Like some people like, want to say something <laughs> like some people like walk away with the luggage and it's like, OK, so what does your bag look like? And they're like, oh, I didn't have a bag. Then why the frick are you grabbing a bag that's not even like you didn't even have a luggage to begin with? Why are you grabbing luggage? This is not luggage <laughs> are us. Oh, my God. Um. So anyway. Here we are solving the world's problems. I feel like so a lot of a lot of things I have issues with is when people remember how we were talking about people opening the overhead bins and um, as we're taxiing or as we're you know like taxiing either to take off or from to the gate when we land. Um, on ascend on descend when it's bumpy they feel like oh the seatbelt sign just came on let me get up and (laughs) grab my very heavy luggage because i need one little tiny thing from in there you can make an announcement over the 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 pa that we you know they need to close they don't listen they just continue doing their thing i'm like so now we have to get up and force these people on their seats with the seatbelts on So this is from flightinjury.com. It says, a report by the Flight Safety Foundation revealed that thousands of passengers every year suffer head and neck injuries as a result of bags falling from the overhead bins. Passengers are familiar with the announcement, please be careful when opening overhead bins as their contents may have shifted during flight. However, Airlines do not tell passengers that if the overhead bins malfunction and the flight flight injuries occur, the airline may be responsible. Airline, um, there's I guess there's airplane accident lawyers, and they have successfully represented passengers injured in by bin mal- malfunctions that cause luggage to fall and hurt them. In some cases, the bin pops open because another passenger has stuffed it and the flight attendants have failed to properly inspect the aircraft. I'm sorry. It is not my responsibility that Joe Schmo decided to stuff all his luggage into one, increasing the weight of that overhead bin, and then it falls on another passenger. 
my job is to make right. sure that the overhead bin is closed. And if it's closed, I'm I'm not gonna because I don't even close the overhead bin sometimes. They're already closed by passengers who have stuffed their stuff. So I'm not gonna open up every single overhead bin and make sure that it's properly stowed. Moreover, if the accident and injury occurs during the course of an international flight, the airline may be liable under Montreal Convention under the Montreal Convention and may be required to pay damages for the action of another passenger, even if the accident was caused by the actions of another passenger. I feel like we should have we should be able to control when the passengers can open up the overhead bins. Like there should be like a locking system so that they can't be open during the critical times of a flight, which is taxi takeoff and landing. Or if it's bumpy, go ahead While and I, Right. While I, I agree with you, that involves a, lot, a whole lot of the thing, like the, the luggage anxiety part. If people know that their stuff is up there and it's locked, people are going to like freak out about it. And you have to think also man, man, um, malfunctioning of, of the system, whatever they use to lock those. If that fails and we get to the point where we are at the jet bridge and we cannot open the overhead bins, that can cause more problems, I think. I feel so, like it can. It can, but at the same time, it's it should it would solve a lot of problems as far as like people not opening the, the overhead bins when they're not supposed to. Yeah. The idea is because yeah, it's the right idea. Because the right idea. People even like just reach up and open up the overhead bin and then grab their stuff. And now that overhead bin is open with the rest of the luggage that's not supposed to. It's like, what was the point of yeah. that? Like now, there's they, and they stay seated, <laughs> and they stay seated. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, but I'm seated. I'm like, but the overhead bin is open, and there's other luggage here. And if we turn or if we get, if we collapse with an, or, you know, we have a collision with another airplane. What now? What? What's that going to? Even solve? that, I'm. I mean. I've been on the galley getting ready, like with uh, getting ready my carts, uh, getting my carts ready. And we have hit uh, turbulence that like sent you to the side, like moves you. If that overhead bin is open like that, everything is going to come off. Don't stuff your overhead bins. There is a weight restriction. Listen to your flight attendants. Wear your mask. Did we solve the problem? And don't smoosh it if it's three inches. <laughs> Jim, do you have a question for us today? As a matter of fact, I do. Okay. Wait. <laughs> I was driving home from Nashville the other day. And I had bought uh -huh. these habanero dill pickles. So I decided to have one on my drive home. And let me tell you, I didn't have water near me, but it got stuck right here. And I didn't want to let it go because it was really good. <laughs> And so I just kind of like coughed my way. <laughs> Good job, girl. Good job. Yes. Anyway, okay, Jim, back to your question. And that's how you do your back in your place. <laughs> All right, Jim, back to your question. Given that there's now a statement from the CDC saying that fully vaccinated people can go out in public uh, without masks, 
Uh, are the airlines working on changing their policies? Are you guys aware of anything like that? Or are they still requiring people to wear masks just because the other passengers ha- maybe haven't been vaccinated? So there is a federal mandate still in place until at least September 20th that says that U.S. passengers or passengers in the U.S. must wear a mask in public transportation with their taxis, buses, airplanes, trains. So on, so we at least are covered until September 30th. Whether you're vaccinated or not, you still have to wear a mask. Say it louder for the people in the back. Whether you are vaccinated or not, you must wear a mask in public transportation. Jim, did you have a second part to that question? I did, and that was, uh, you know, I'm wondering what your guys' feelings are on this subject in terms of as we move forward, uh, easing the restrictions on people wearing masks. Uncle Jay? Uh, specifically in terms of, of your your job, obviously. Right, right, right. Um, I knew for a fact, I knew for a fact that we, that the industry, the transportation industry was going to be the last one to leave the band. Um, I, my only concern is that people are going to ease up way too much and they're going to want to bring that up into the planes and the transportation. And it's going to open a whole new can of worms um, towards the rules and I feel like the mask is should have done all together. So maybe waiting a little bit longer would have been more effective. But, you know, I'm just a flight attendant, so I don't know what goes behind it. Um, but I do feel like it should have been all done together in order um, for for us, for transportation, not suffer as much. I don't know. I mean... What do you think, I- B? For I, it was really surreal when I was in Nashville because it just felt like COVID never happened and nobody was wearing a mask anywhere. And myself and another another flight attendant that was there for the wedding, um, we were just like looking at each other like, I'm just going to wear my mask. And we were looked at like we were like the outcasts. We were wearing masks and we're both vaccinated. But at the same time, like, you just can't be too careful. The same thing happened when you guys were here a month ago and the three of us went out to get food. We walked in the restaurant with a mask. Nobody else in the joint was wearing a mask and we all got these looks from people like, right. Right. I remember that. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. What happens in the coming future with all this fun stuff? Have you been listening to anything? No, because I actually, I I told you the other day, so, but I haven't gone into much details with you, but I started studying for, to be a yoga instructor. So most of my listenings and, because it's an online course now, so all my videos and every, uh, everything that I've been listening to is from the class and related to. And um, was it the day before yesterday, I went to a yoga class because I wanted to try it. 
um, a different style of yoga that I had never tried before. And girl, let me tell you, I need to do some physical changes in here. <laughs> I keep telling you, we need to work out more. So I have been listening to this one podcast called Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. And it just basically their tag or her tagline is welcome to the dark side of our society's obsession with physical beauty. So, you know, she just talks about beauty and the dark obsession with it. Ooh. And then I've also just kind of. I need been, to be beautiful. I don't need to because I already am, but that's another story. Um, and I'm also, <laughs> I'm also been, I was surprised you didn't say that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been just finishing reading my book, Mexican Gothic. And that's the book that I'm reading for in my book club. And then um, I, so I remember how we were, uh, how we had said about the news about the mom, the unexpected mom um, on the Delta flight to Hawaii. So yeah, I've been I've been yeah. I've been watching Call of the Midwife, so I feel a little bit more prepared for an on oh, okay. Just a little bit more. I won't be as scared. It's like Call of the Midwife is pretty accurate in all of the stuff that they're doing over there. But that's it. Oh wow, okay. Congratulations. Call it to the universe, right? No, no, I won't. No. Congratulations, Jim, (laughs) on your job. Yay. A job that I'm actually getting paid for. Wow. I get paid for this, but I was gonna say it. I'm like Oh my god. I know, I know, I know. I'm kidding. I know. Um Uh, it's it's I'm stoked. And in the meantime, uh, I've been uh, the only real podcast I would say I've been listening to is this one. Uh, and I listen to this one a lot, obviously. Um, as far as watching, um, I haven't really had too much time to talk uh, to watch stuff lately because I've been working nonstop pretty much on Darker Projects Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. Is I, I, well, I, I've, you know, I just keep up with The Flash and, and uh, The Rookie every week because those are the only two shows coming out that I really care about. And The Rookie just had its season finale, which was absolutely spectacular. If you're not watching The Rookie, Nathan Fillion, I cannot recommend it enough. That show is fantastic. Okay, cool. We'll check it out. Um, other than that, please subscribe and review uh we are on apple Podcasts, spotify amazon and google podcasts and uh you can yeah you got it this time you can email (laughs) us you can email us at the flight attendant podcast at gmail.com and our on our website the flight attendant podcast.com all right. And you can follow us on, on Instagram at the Flight Attendant Podcast and on Twitter at Stay Safe, Fly Safe. And with that, we'll see you next week for a little bit of Reserve Life. Ooh, Reserve Life. Traumatic yeah. times. I know, right? So stay safe, fly safe. Fly safe. And we'll see and you look guys at later. You. Look at you. Bye, Jim. Bye. Bye.